Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Workplace Revolution with me, Sile Bolani. Joining me for today's conversation is learning strategist and founder of Bold Curiosity, a graduate development, leadership and learning consultancy, Celeste Stewart. If you've been following The Workplace Revolution, you may remember that we featured Celeste on episode 7, where we chatted about organizational culture and authentic leadership. This time around, we're chatting about self-promotion and how we can embrace tooting our own horns. For me, that conversation begins with redefining words such as humility and unlearning beliefs that your brilliance or beauty or intelligence is only valid if others say so. It honestly frustrates me when I hear things like, ugh, she knows she's so pretty, so it's a turn off. Or, she's so good, but I won't tell her because she'll get a big head. Or she's so sure of herself, she needs to learn to be humble. So what is being humble? I mean, if we look at the definition, it's feeling less important or proud or having a low, a low estimate of one's importance or even not being arrogant, but also not being assertive. So when you just sit with that definition, how does it make you feel? How does your body respond to it? Because I know my body rejected the heck out of that. Celeste, <laughs> welcome back to the Workplace Revolution. <laughs> Yo, what an introduction. I love it. I feel like, boom, you can just drop the mic. That show was absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. It's lovely to be here. So let's talk about, firstly, the definition of humility. How does it make you feel? Because I, I, I because I know you, I know your energy. <laughs> I just <laughs> let the listeners know <laughs> how that makes you feel. I just like my stomach was turning, you know, as you were kind of reading. And, and I think I just suddenly had, I, I, I almost feel like I traveled back in time not too long ago and, and actually like a few weeks ago. And for me, it, it just, it, it takes me back into all the conversations I hear women having and how it kind of keeps us small and how it boxes us. And, you know, the one thing I, I always tell you that I like about your work and that I appreciate about your work and our conversations is language and the importance of language and how it keeps us trapped and how we need to start challenging some of these definitions mm. because uh, that does not work for me right? at all. Like, mm. like if, if that, if no, that just makes me, I don't know, maybe then I'm not human. <laughs> maybe like I'm, like, I'm, I'm okay with not being humble. If that's the definition <laughs> we're going with, no, no thank you. Mm -mm. No, no, no. I, I outright, that doesn't sit well with me. Like I said, my stomach, like I could feel, I started getting like a sense of anxiety. Mm. But but it's interesting because if I had, if you if you'd asked me that twenty years ago, I would have started to doubt myself, mm. and then I would have heard all those voices where friends and people in my community have said to me, like you're too bossy, mm. you're too arrogant. Like why why must you why must you be such a show off? You know. Mm. And then already, I suppose I started to dabble with being okay with knowing what makes me great mm. and owning it unashamedly, but outright rejection from my community for doing that because I was not being a humble human being mm. or a good woman or mm. like a good representation of what I'm supposed to be. So no, 20 years ago, I would have crumbled. Now I just go, well, 
<laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> they don't want alien things. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Now, so today we're talking about self-promotion. And I really want to start by, you know, having the conversation about how for women and particularly black women, how difficult it is for us to to speak about our brilliance, to speak about our accomplishments, because we're always so concerned about perception that we are arrogant or a perception that we are too self-assured or too opinionated or too strong, um, you know, because you know, we are expected to be strong black women, but not too strong that you intimidate people. We must constantly be worried about whether or not we're intimidating. Um, and, you know, that's in our, in our personal or social spaces, but also within the context of the workplace. And you and I obviously do a lot of work with professionals. We do a lot of our, our work mostly focuses on, you know, scenarios that occur within the workplace. What are some of the experiences that you've had or even, you know, just the interactions that you've had with some of your clients around the issue of women particularly and self-promotion and how it differs from how men view self-promotion? I mean, I, I I need to like stop the flood of examples coming into my mind, you know, like, mm. and and I'll start off with some some of the the ones that that I can remember fairly recently. So I'll give you an example with the work with um I do with with graduates and young professionals. So what happens is a job ad comes out, okay, mm. and there's the spec, and so then I look at how do females respond to that and how do males respond to it. So I would work with a female grad and she'd come to me and say, look, I want to apply for this job. But um, so obviously I, I'm not the recruitment person, but as like the external mentor, almost, um, I don't think I'm quite ready for it. And then I can already see where the conversation's going. Then I'll say, okay, let's, let's break down the job. Mm. Because in my mind, I'm going, girl, you are ready. You are more ready than what you're giving yourself credit for. Then she'll go, okay, but I, like I meet eight out of the 10 um of, you know, like the criteria that the job asks for, but there's these two things. So I see with women, like, they get all bogged down in the gap or what I don't have mm. yet, or maybe mm. not packaged in the way the organization wants me to show. Mm. And so there's a fixation with the gap. Whereas, and the research shows that, you know, men look at a job ad, they go, I meet 50% of what the job looks for. I'm qualified. In fact, I am the best candidate for the job. Mm. So so, so in terms of how I've seen this manifest in the workplace with the grads I've worked with, I've seen it in that way. I see it with the HR people I consult with. Um, just very, very recently, I'm, I'm working with someone in my network um, who I, 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 I could just see, like, she's got a really good skill that I need. And I sent an email saying, like, can you, can you do this and provide a service? And it, in initially, the reaction was no. I like I I don't think I'm qualified yet enough to do it. Mm. And then I just pushed back and I said no. Like, of course you are skilled. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't ask you if I mm. I didn't see the potential in the other work that you've done. So I I see it manifest in those ways, and I see people like cutting off their opportunities because they don't believe that they are ready, that they're worth it, that they've got the skills needed. And it starts with being able to just sit back on a day-to-day basis and own how you've, what you've learned, how you've grown, the skills that you've mm. developed, and, and being able to to say it. And, and it's not boasting, it's mm. being able to own 
your skills, your competencies, your growth, like how you've evolved to that point. So yeah, I, I see it a lot in the recruitment process and yeah, people sort of turning down opportunities because they think they're not ready yet. Absolutely. And I think, you know, within the context of the, the recruitment phase for a lot of people, um, they don't understand that, you know, when you do see a job spec, you know, there isn't a candidate who's going to meet every single requirement that's on there. This is just a wish list, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and that's what a lot of people don't get and don't understand. And I think this yeah. is also where you start to see the gaps between tertiary education and actual workplace integration. You know, there's so many gaps that exist um, that actually become detrimental to people who are entering the workforce. Um, and, you know, we look at it, you know, in terms of self-promotion, we look at it in the context of men and women. But also the other layer is the issue of race, because, yeah. you know, when you it's one thing to yeah. be a woman, but to be a black woman, then, you know, yeah. the you know, the, 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 the barriers, you know, that we kind of as a result of trauma that we've experienced because society as a result of all of the various messaging that has been kind of ingrained in us as we've grown up, you know, we are made to believe that we are not as good enough as everybody else. No matter how qualified we are, we are automatically, you know, um, in, in a space where we think uh, mm, there's other people who are better than us. There's somebody else yeah. who can do a better job, but surely can't be me. Um, you know, because also then there's this humility. If I believe yeah. that I am good enough for this, then I'm being arrogant. Mm. So how can people begin to start shifting how they view self-promotion in the context of, of the workplace? Mm. So, so I think, and, and I just want to, uh, you know, add on to what you were saying now about um, being, looking at self-promotion, but then dissecting it on a race level. Mm. And I think so much of that is also that mental slavery that we need to break away from. Mm. <laughs> and it's a choice that we need to make. Um, you need to choose that I'm not going to go in with a same narrative that like for me that my aunts and my parents and the older generation and some people I've seen around me I take some of the good around the approach to work like the perseverance their tenacity their consistency I'll take some of that but I also know that there's an element to it that was designed to keep people in a certain place mm. mentally mm. that I need to break away from, mm. you know, as me going in on my generation and, and changing the path for others. Mm. So, so how do we start to change the narrative? I think, sure. I mean, for me, sometimes, and I see with the work that I do, sometimes it's even not even using the word self-promotion mm. um, because that in itself can make women a bit anxious at times. Mm. So sometimes it's just starting with, okay, well, how do we create spaces where we own our magic? Mm. <laughs> so it's, it's like playing around with words. And again, language is so important. Um, so I think for me, that's really important. Um, developing or, or for, I, I encourage women to come into spaces where other women are doing as that as well so to be part of a tribe and a community where there is psychological safety in the space for mm -hmm. you to show up differently because unfortunately right now being able to own your magic and have that self-promotion is still seen as different and I hope yeah. that we can 
get to a place where we see it as the norm, not mm. not something different or like the exception. So I think it's about um, being in spaces where that is encouraged and that's it's allowed and it's it's part of the normal, it's part of the conversation. Um, and looking to role models for women that do do it um, around you. You know, that's the benefit of things like social media. Mm. You've got access to so many women, like, you know, in with, within our network, on our continent, across the world that are doing it, that you can almost treat as your mm. mentor in that space um, and draw inspiration from them um, and, and use that to kind of hold yourself accountable and start to... Um, yeah, it kind of keeps you going as you as you navigate this new space. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the issue of mental enslavement because what's always important for me to reiterate because, you know, sometimes I get people who will say, you know, how, how do I... Um, how did I get to a point where I was just... I became so, so confident and so self-assured you know, and I always have to say there isn't one moment <laughs> where yeah. that happens and then that's your state yeah. of mind forever. Because, yeah. you know, it's so important for us to remember that this is literally generations upon generations yeah. of trauma that has been yeah. passed down. Um, yeah. You know, this history of, you know, being made to think, feel, believe that as a people, as a community, as a, as a race and as a gender black women you know we have been made to believe certain things about who we are and what we're not and all of these things and our value and so even for someone like myself who many people might think oh she's so self-assured it's something it's constantly having to remind myself I constantly have to practice (laughs) embracing Mm. my magic my power my Mm. my my impact my brilliance I have to reinforce that within myself. Yeah. 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 So that self-validation absolutely becomes important because what do we do in communities? We still give the women who practice that humility by the traditional sense. We, we, those are the women that still get encouraged and supported as like, you know, you being a good person or a good woman. Um, Mm. But for the rest of us, it's being able to literally sit back every day and go, okay, cool. Like, I showed, I showed up today. I owned my magic. I didn't mm. dim my light. Mm. And then, you know, that line from that beautiful poem that so many of us know, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's mm. our light, not our darkness that frightens us the most, mm. you know? And so the, the ability to just, like you said, sit with that duality of, I'm going to have days where I'm going to feel incredibly powerful mm. and I'm going to feel really shit scared at the same time. Mm. And that's okay. Yeah. You don't, you're right. You don't get to a point where suddenly you have <laughs> immunity. <laughs> <laughs> like you have this medal. No, now that, now that the medals say like, you're never going to feel like the imposter syndrome yeah. or your inner critic is loud or like being the first of in our communities. Yeah. Like, oh, God, I feel so lonely. There's no other woman that easier to oh I feel like an outsider in my own community mm. because I'm showing up differently yet I know what I'm doing is right yeah so the ability to sit and I in fact I just remembered also like for me journaling <laughs> sitting every as as you know as much as I can sometimes it's every day sometimes it's once a week just sitting and writing like love letters to myself mm. and sometimes that works sometimes I need to get out of my head what's in my head which mm. is 
the inner critic being super loud. Mm. And so if I just get it out and I look at it and I think, geez, like, yo, that's harsh. Like, mm. I wouldn't speak to my bestie that way. I wouldn't speak to you like that yeah. about you, but I speak to me like that about me. Yeah. So, so let me actually now access my inner mentor and switch off my inner critic. And so, yeah, there's this, you, 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 it's a lifelong commitment mm. when you when you decide to step into the space. And so it is about getting to a place where you can be confident and you can have a full-on meltdown mm. <laughs> at the same time. But, you know, meltdown, like this one documentary that I watched, this woman said so beautifully, meltdown, but then melt it right back up again. Mm. And that's what we need to do for ourselves as pioneers in the space. Absolutely. And one of the things that, you know, we speak about when we talk about, you know, diversity and the challenges that are faced by, by black professionals in the workplace um, and, you know, this particular context, um, black women in the workplace is, you know, the issue of code switching, right? So there's this, you know, understanding, this unwritten rule that, you know, as a black woman, when you walk in the door, of your office or the organization in the morning you leave your blackness your black self must stay behind because when you walk in you know and you swipe your card you must be a more acceptable a less threatening version of <laughs> somebody that's not you right so there's that conflict that exists for mm-hmm. black women in the workplace but then there's also the the the, the conflict that exists between um culture black culture african culture and respectability politics right and so you know we find ourselves struggling to kind of straddle the line of being this empowered powerful woman in the workplace but also not being able to be your full self so how powerful can you be if you're not allowed to show up as your full self but then also knowing that in your home or in your social settings you're expected to be again a diminished version of who you are because that's what is culturally required um and you know many cultures may not have evolved at the times and gotten to a space where women are seen as as strong and as leaders and as being able to you know be fully themselves um, and to have opinions. I mean, there are some cultures where women or matriarchs are the ones who hold the power, but in some cultures, it's men. So how can people, you know, find, <laughs> I can't even say balance because there is no real balance, <laughs> no. but how can people navigate that mm. conflict? So I think um, I had an insight one day just in terms of the work I do. Um, which is around helping young people transition. And then this other loaded term that people use as well, professionalism. Mm. (laughs) And then I started thinking, okay, so what do people actually mean when they say professionalism? It's usually a very loaded word Mm. and it's a very nice sneaky way of saying, leave your blackness at the door and come in and speak in a certain way and dress in a certain way and carry yourself in a certain way. And so on my journey, I think the more I realize this and the more I see how much of that is infused in every element of our lives, Mm. um, I've started to say, I I can't actually be my authentic self in this space. So Mm. how do we do it? Well, for me and my own journey, um, I've decided that 
you know, I went through a time where I thought like my accent's not good enough. Like, mm. let me change it. You know, it sounds too Cape Flats-ish. <laughs> I need to sound a bit more polished when mm. I speak. Me, Futsak, I'm not going to change. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, it's, it takes so much energy to try. And it's, as you said, you get to the turnstiles and you put on all these other personas. Yeah. Man, professional, whiteness. Mm. Young, I am tired of it. This is me. This is how I speak. <laughs> Take it or leave it. And if this space isn't welcoming of me, guess what? I'm going to go away mm. and I'm going to create my own space where it will be appreciated and welcome. And I would rather be broke <laughs> than mm. sell my soul like I used to do before. Mm. So I think, um, and it's it's sad that we need to go to such drastic measures to be ourselves. Mm. I mean, how messed up is that? But I think I, I've realized that, you know, the, there are these constructs that control the world right now. And how do I break it? By showing up as myself. Mm. And so that was part of the reason why I decided to go on my own. Um, went through so many, like, shedding the layers of, like, I'm packing the GHD away. Because that's not, like, like, think about why the hell am I burning my hair every day mm. to have a certain look? So because it, it looks like, I was also told, no, like, this wet. And like curls, like it, 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 fuck off. Like that's that straight hair is not me. I'm yeah. not going to do that to myself. So, so we do that to our souls and our personalities. I mean, we wonder why people are disengaged, why mm. people are demotivated, why people are unhappy at work. We are sitting on a ticking time clock. Mm. We make up most of the population in South Africa if we don't start having more honest conversations about how we really allow people to show up at work. Everyone uses the word oh, authenticity. <laughs> I want to throw up half of the time. I yeah. want to throw up because actually it's a, it's not authenticity. It's about how can you be the version of it's, what we yeah, want you to be. Exactly. So, it's a, it's so, about what is acceptable to whiteness. Exactly. It's the closer you are to whiteness, the mm. more we will embrace you, yeah. you know. And um, and that's why we, we, like, we all have an ownership to be driving this whole decolonization agenda as well. But you know, learn more about that on another podcast. But I mean, it's it's sort of it's embedded to this conversation. Mm. And so, um, beyond the workplace, it's also about the way I show up at my child's school as a mm. parent. <laughs> you know, representing um, my community and bringing mm. in my identity there, like. Some events I go to and I just say, yo, it's very quiet here. Like, this doesn't represent my community. We're loud mm. and we are expressive and we're colorful. Like, where is that? Mm. I'm not going to dim it down and then on Heritage Day, yeah. <laughs> then, then I can be myself for 24 hours. Ne? And then after that, I must go back to this packaged, very, like, Western. No, that, that isn't we are. So I think we, we, we need to trust ourselves a little bit more there. Mm. Number one, I think we need to accept that we all need to do our bit to break the white western um very masculine template that we are expected mm. to fit into um, and then beyond that it's it's interesting that for me i find like if i can't get that support again in my own community it's then going outside of my community to connect with other women and finding the women who are the trailblazers who are the professional troublemakers you know mm. who are the thought leaders and and, and getting that support in other spaces, you know, like mm. you do with Connected, like we do on social media, plugging into those women so I can recharge when mm. I speak to them 
And then when I go back into my spaces, I feel, okay, I can continue with this um, my role in, in shaping the narrative literally going forward. Because mm. you know what, there's a, it's like I say at family gatherings, there's a little girl looking at me going, oh, wow, like, like she's maybe a little bit different. And mm. so it's okay if I'm also a little bit different, yeah. you know. Or there's a little boy looking at me going, oh, wow, she's different to that. So we mustn't underestimate how much we are shaping young, the younger generation's narrative when we show up authentically yeah, as ourselves. Absolutely. And just for that reason, with all the shit that comes with it, I will continue to be me and be who I am. And, and like I remind myself every time, like, you know, when I'm coming on a conversation like this with you, mm. or if I'm being interviewed on radio, I don't need to change my accent. Yeah. If people don't like my accent, then buy Felicia, go listen to someone else who's got a different accent. Mm. This is me. This is who I am. And um, either sit, you know, sit and listen or go somewhere else. But I'm not going to change to fit a narrative that was never designed to include me. Absolutely. And make me feel like an equal person in the first place, actually. Mm. So, so... Yeah, don't answer your question. <laughs> yes, you did. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to go a little bit deeper on the issue of you know acceptance because of you know this is you know at the core of you know issues of of your value, how you perceive your yeah. value. Um, we put so much um, you know, uh, importance on receiving acceptance from people that we perceive to be the arbiters of standards um mm. you know and for a lot of people what that has meant is having this um you know uh, uh, pattern of enduring toxicity in various environments right and this is something that even comes up in the one-on-ones that i have you know with with my with my clients who consult and so many times i have to ask the question and say Okay, so this is the environment that you have. Um, this is what your view is in terms of the environment's potential and appetite for change and transformation. Mm. So with that in mind and understanding who you are and where you are and what you want for your career and for your own peace of mind and your mental well-being, is mm. this the right space for you? Mm. And it's a question that so many people honestly don't even think about because they can't imagine being in a space where they thrive in every way imaginable you know they can't imagine being in a space where they're supported because you believe that suffering and toil is part of your life as a black professional yeah that that just like hit me in the core um I think we, we really need to wake up to the systems that keep us where we are. Mm. It's just that, like, not giving yourself, giving I'm not giving myself the license to be happy mm. and fully happy. Mm. Not 10% happy so that I feed the capitalist racist system. Yeah. <laughs> fully happy within my own so I can break away, you know. And and again, to go back to that point earlier, you know, when, when we spoke about what topic do we do we talk about today? And for me as well, doing my, my, my videos, I'm always thinking like, what message can I share around like this unhooking from the slavery mentality? Because the system has been written off in paper 
on paper. Mm. But there are so many things that still exist that keep us trapped in that. Let me play it small. Let me accept that it's okay for me to be partially happy because I'm not worth all of that. Like, and, and you, you know, even if like five women out there hear our conversation mm. and it gets them to say, well, let me go look in the mirror tonight and ask myself, am I really happy? Mm. And like you said, is this environment really going to get to a point where it's going to welcome me in my most purest and my most authentic form? Mm. And if the answer is no, I give myself license to cut myself off from the beer. Like, I don't, mm. this, is, this isn't like, I'm not a bloody elephant where I must carry this pregnancy for like two years. Mm. I can walk away. I can walk away and trust that I am enough. Mm. Trust that I can go and forge a path outside of the space. Um, and, and, and tell myself that I'm no longer going to endure this emotional tax. Mm. You know, it's a bit like been living in Cape Town. You know, you just, at some point you go like, oh, well, this, this is just how the system is. Like, no, mm. the system does what we give it permission to do. Mm. See, And for me, that, that was a, a, like a, a loud light bulb on my own journey. And when you just spoke as well now, like, look at what are the system systems keeping us and which are the ones that we are feeding without us realizing it. And mm. when we accept 10% of our worth and 10% of our well-being and 10% of our happiness, we keep the systems alive. And mm. so we need to deliberately go against the grain and, and swim upstream. And I, I don't always know what the answer is and I can't give people the steps, but just committing to that mentally. Mm. Sometimes that in itself is the first thing you need to kind of kickstart breaking away from yeah, the thing that keeps us trapped and mm. keep the, keep, keeps us small. Mm, absolutely. Now, one of the things that um, a lot of, of black women have gotten into um, is this thing around vision boards, creating vision boards and doing affirmations, right? Um, so many of us have started it, have done it at some point or the other, you know. Um, and that's fantastic, Right. But I always find myself coming back to the question around, okay, so you've got your vision board done, right? You have a vision board for your career. You have a vision board for the type and quality of life that you want. You have a vision board for your, your personal life, your family, the type of home you want, the types of cars you want. Great. But whose standards are those that you're putting on those vision boards? And also, <laughs> what thinking and beliefs are you prepared to work to unlearn in order for you to achieve, you know, whatever your aspirations are, the aspirations that are true to you? It's it's so it's so interesting because um the the first time <laughs> when I went on my own and I was doing my vision board, I was um. I was sitting in a group of other women and like, surprise, surprise, that's the only man in the room. Um, and I was going through the, and you know me, like, I'm like, I'm like, thinking out loud and going like, oh, like, we, like, I don't see anyone that looks like me yeah. in these magazines that I was used to create my vision board. So there was a bit of awkwardness in the room. Um, but I was like, no, no, if this is me setting my goal, I want to see the melanin. I want mm. to see the different hair. I want to see color. I want to see vibrance. So so absolutely, it's about having that self-awareness to say, 
whose standard am I actually aspiring to when mm. I'm when I'm doing the vision board, and 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 like allowing ourselves to flow into who we are, like as 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 a brand. You know, mm. there's so much already in our culture and our heritage that that we can draw from that we've been taught to detach from in order to be successful in mm. life and professional. Mm. So sometimes it's just going back to your own story, your family tree, mm. your heritage, you know, your history and drawing from that. And so I agree with you, the, the vision board, like we need to be looking at like, what do we put on paper? Like whose pictures are we cutting out? Mm. And then secondly, like vision boards work when they, when they are coupled with action. Yeah. An action where you push yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm. An action where you're going to take risks and where you're not always going to get results. It's a bit like people think law of attraction. I can put my goal out there and then I lay on the couch. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. Like the hard work begins when you've put the image out there, you put it, and then it's about holding myself accountable every day, breaking the norms, going out, going into spaces where I feel so scared and I feel so overwhelmed and I feel so intimidated, mm. but I know that's part of, you know, getting me to, to, to where I want to be. But yeah, no, very interesting that, um, the starting point with a vision board and like, do I really see myself in these images and these goals that I'm setting, um, as I get closer to my future self, is mm. that really me or is it, um, is it the, again, the, the Western standard that we are, that we are, um, yeah, enforcing that we are driving. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because the reality is that you know we 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 put together these these visions or these you know these these ideals because we want something different for ourselves, right? We want more. We want better. We want things that will yeah. make us happier. Um, but we don't always necessarily understand that that is going to require us to take actions that are different, yeah. to take actions yes. that are bigger, that are bolder, that are yeah. scarier in order for us to get to that next level. But, but also, Sifle, that, that, you know, I, I've been, I was thinking about, I was, who was I speaking to the other day? So like, if I just take that and I process it on a very personal level. So for me, growing up, spending the first part of my life growing up in Mitchell's Plain. So Cape Flats and Cape Town. For me, if you think about my vision board, my first goal was I need to be going to a school outside of my area. Mm. <laughs> I need to be aspiring to something outside of my identity. In other words, whiteness. Yeah. That's how you make it out of where you are if you grow up in an area like that. Yeah. How sad is it that for us to be better we must detach from who we are yeah absolutely and i think i've been thinking about this for a while but it sort of just crystallized in my mind that for me to get be better i must say okay my first goal is i must move out of this area i mean think about that i mean this the 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 evilness that 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 apartheid as a system was and still continues to be mm. through an example like that which we, we don't realize the power of this mm. okay i'm only successful when i'm out of the area but why? Why can I not still be living there and be successful mm. at the same time? So to your point about when we create the vision board and we say, I want to be living in like Camps Bay and, and, and you know, in I completely understand why people would want to say, I want to get out of that space where I live. Because, you know, it's it's you don't have the, the same experience like when you are in a more affluent area. But But I hope that at some point we can exist in a community where 
continuing to be where I am, that's also seen as world class. Mm. Um, we all not just, you know, aspiring to sending our kids to schools outside of Mitchell's Plain, as mm. an example. There are enough world-class facilities in my community mm. that I can continue to to live there and exist there, you know, um, and celebrate the world-classness that is already in a space mm. like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, when we, when we start to unpack all these things that we kind of just do so automatically, mm. we, we start to see how loaded it is. And then really get to think about what do you want to... What do you want to keep as part of your narrative? And what do you want to um, change and make go of? Absolutely. I mean, you know, when we're speaking about the broader structural issues, you know, that exists in society, you know, you think about a, a country like South Africa, where the majority of the population is black people. Um, and mm. in terms of one group, it's black women. Um, mm. And it's acceptable for for those demographics to 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 be you know accurately reflected if you're speaking about crime if you're speaking about poverty you know that the face of crime yeah. is black people right and mm. people might be able to justify yeah. it by saying well the majority of the population is black and therefore the numbers support that right mm. if you're talking mm. about the face of poverty it's black people and you might be able to mm. use the same argument to say well because mm. the population is majority black then it would make sense yes. that it would be yeah but wealth mm. why does the wealth not reflect the demographics of this country yeah you know why does yeah. does does you know business leadership not reflect mm. the demographics of this country why is it that only you know the bad stuff the negative stuff the stuff yeah. that is stifling for black communities what is representative mm. of the demographics of this country but all of the mm. stuff around affluence and well well-being yeah. and health and prosperity that is whiteness yeah and and good leadership yeah, yeah. <laughs> good leadership yeah corruption only happens in a certain group I'm yeah. like really corruption versus <laughs> accounting irregularities I know, this is brilliant, brilliant. I mean, I, when, when the first time she said that and people were laughing, I was like, if you guys only understand the schooling that she's doing with with that so-called joke, because it's absolutely true. And mm. and um, I, I was at a conference once where this guy said, we must learn to read beyond the headlines. Yeah. And that really struck me because now, like, when, when I watch the news, um. I'm sitting with my family, people will go, oh, and then this one took that, and then that one took that. I'm constantly saying, yo, <laughs> do you guys know what some of these people are catching on in corporate, you know, in leadership, where money's moved around, mm. and money is redirected, ne? it's a very nice way of saying corruption. So, yeah. so again, who's driving the narrative? In whose best interest is it? for us to be believing a certain narrative. Mm. Like as, as as citizens, we need to take responsibility. Like don't don't just take everything that's fed <laughs> that comes to you. Like think about who's who's possibly driving that agenda. And then have an ability to step back and, and read and critically review the narratives mm. coming your way. Mm. Um, because why are we not why are we not getting more examples of world class black leadership? It's mm. not that we don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> we are here. You're just not choosing to showcase us in the right way or in the way that, you know, your white leaders um, will do. And 
uh, I'm to say something else now, but the, oh, it's when this happens, like I'm in the groove and <laughs> it slips away from me. Um, did I say something else now? Shit, I forgot. But it was going to be quiet. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I know you for. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but I, I, I do think like um, stop just, Stop just taking what people give us as the truth. Mm. Be critical of it. Stay back. Mm. Push, start to push a different agenda. Um, oh, this is what I want to say. It's a bit like when I, when, I, when I sit and I hear people say, like, we couldn't find black talent. Yeah, that's, that is one of the most popular. <laughs> you know, like, set my nipples on fire and tell me something like that. I'm thinking of where are you looking like maybe in Finland mm. <laughs> or like where exactly are you looking because there hello you mm. know there are many so um it's it's that thing about yeah like what what are the definitions what are the labels what is the narrative who's controlling it and how do I show up differently again so I can be an example to someone else or a sense of hope to someone else wanting to break out of the system and maybe mm. just thinking Yo, I'm tired. Because yeah. we have those days that you just think, I'm tired. Mm. Tired of fighting. I'm tired of people posting Black Lives Matter on social media. Mm. And then when it comes down to the nitty gritty of doing the work, speaking out, then people are quiet. So yeah. you, you, you do feel like that at times. But it's about if I can just give someone else like a glimmer of hope, mm. then shut, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing and for you absolutely the same you know you inspire so many of us <laughs> to be who we are authentically unapologetically and just to continue chipping away at these systems and I don't know hopefully we can get dramatic change in our lifetime but if not you know we've we've added a chapter to a book mm. that someone will pick up a generation away from us hopefully close 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 and go okay so they did it they laid the foundation let, let us build on that mm. but yeah like I, I wish whoever's listening to this can recognize that you know they've got so much inner power mm. and there's so much courage there mm. it's just about learning to to trust it and and activate it and how trusting yourself is an act of rebellion mm. absolutely <laughs> That's not what our our older generations, mm. we didn't see that. And, and rightfully so, they did that to survive. Yeah. But for us, with the gift of, you know, having all these, this exposure to information, to role models, like, how can we show up differently? And let's just like, do something small that's different, mm. that's going to start to shift, shift things. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the other, the other I guess... Um, scenario where the you know being able to own your 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 brilliance you know in, in the context of the workplace is around you know i firstly i guess proactively mapping out your career right mm -hmm. um a lot of people come into the workplace um and you kind of are like okay this is the job that i have this is what i'm going to do and i'm just going to do that until somebody tells me something different or until i get promoted and people don't actually proactively sit and go okay right i'm entering this organization in this position mm -hmm. sitting with your line manager with hr and saying okay so from here what does the next step yeah. and the step after that and the step after that look like yeah. and what do i need to do 
to get mm. to each level because you need to have a very clear understanding of what you know your developmental goals are and what yeah. outputs are going to be required of you because you need to have a plan for your future yeah. right because you're an equal partner in your growth yeah. right within the organization well you know as far as possible mm. and for so many people um, they don't either feel empowered to have those conversations um, mm. or they feel uh, they, they hold back because they don't want to appear to be pushy um, mm. or impatient or they don't want to talk themselves out of opportunities. So how can people, I guess, overcome all of those doubts around how mm. to proactively manage their careers? Mm. So I was I was chatting to someone about this yesterday. Like, firstly, feel the fear and do it anyway. Number mm. one, <laughs> you are going to be shaking your boots, and that's okay. Just like your 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 vision, your drive must be must be a little bit greater than your fear. Yeah. Just to kind of push you out of that thinking analysis paralysis mode and into action. Number two comes back to my point again, again about language. So many times in businesses, uh, somebody uh, will go to a manager and say. Um, okay, so this is the, the next position I've targeted for. What do I need to get there? What do I need to do to get there? Oh, you need to be better at communicating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You need to be better at leading. Okay, well, if you are in this scenario, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say to your manager, what is it exactly about communication I need to get better at? Mm. Language, guys, let's not be controlled. <laughs> so, so, so. Don't be afraid to listen for the detail and probe. There's something about unpacking and getting someone to be very clear about what they are saying that makes you incredibly powerful. So you can be the person with a low positional power, but you can still control that conversation. Mm. Control as in like so that you get what you need to. What is it about communication skills I need to get better at? What would it look like if I were communicating better? Mm. Um, what would it look like when I acquire these skills that I supposedly lack? Because again, it's it's often it's not about you lacking the skills, but you they want you to be polished a little yeah. bit, you know. In other words, toned down. Like I was told, like I'm should be so angry. I'm should be so angry about everything. I'm angry because I'm angry. <laughs> Let me be angry with the right to be angry. So um, so so ask about that um. Also, don't be afraid to say, okay, so for the person, let's say person A is in the position, you know, what what, what are those skills that, that they have that I didn't show sufficient evidence for in my interview? Um, or that, that got me, that, that, that was, you know, key to me being, you know, you're not going to say overlooked, but that I wasn't part of the selection um, process. So in other words, drill down and get the detail and then, so once you've walked away with as much detail and clarity as possible, mm. start to put your own action plan in place. Don't wait to be appointed to a coach or a mentor, guys. Mm. Like, take the reins for this. Find out who are the people in your own network that you can go to, that you can spend time with, that you can get guidance and input on the topic. Access the people around you. We want to help. We want to... You know, we don't want to be the only people in the room succeeding and, and you know, winning at this thing. Mm. We want to have a community with us because there's strength in numbers. Mm. So find out, you know, put your own action plan in place and then set a timeline. Write a letter with a date on it. If things don't fall into place by a certain time, don't be afraid to walk away. Because mm. you can do all of that and then you go, okay, well, 
shame. Maybe next year they'll, I'll get my promotion. Mm. And that's not how it works. It helps the system for you to stay where you are. Mm. It helps the system for you to be insecure about who you are, for you to think you're not good enough. Mm. Change that, say, okay, so six months, and obviously be realistic depending on what the skills gap is. Six months, a year, um, give it to somebody else to look at as well to even change your perception of time. Yeah. Um, and And then after that, like, allow yourself license to either go somewhere else, recontract again, hold people accountable, for me, that's like if, if if we can get if we can get women, if we can get as black women, if we can start to have those conversations a bit more, I think that in itself will will make a big difference. And then get into the habit of journaling what makes you awesome. Mm. Like when 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 I I do coaching, and I know already when it gets to this point of the conversation, women are gonna go oh, shock and horror. So I'll say like, okay, like give me twenty reasons, you know, twenty reasons why you are fabulous. Mm. And they'll go, 20 reasons. I'm like, yeah, it's only 20. Like, be happy. I'm not saying 50. (laughs) You know? Yet, if I say to women, tell me 20 things about you you don't like or that you could change. flows, yeah. (laughs) Why is it that we can answer that, like, as almost as if we are rehearsing it on a day-to-day basis? But when I say to you what makes you great, you can't tell me. So you need to get to a point where you can, it can roll off the tongue comfortably. Yeah. I'm good at that. I'm brilliant at that. I'm da 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 Like, get comfortable with owning who you are and, and boasting. And, and that needs to be, that needs to become our new normal. And I find for me, writing it down helps to form those neural pathways. I can get comfortable with it. Mm. And it's, I can just access it really quickly in conversations. And if other women are there telling you, you are being, you're boasting that you're not being humble. You need to be more. The other word I hear women use is shy. Mm. Ooh, as if shyness is something we must aspire towards. If, if, if you find like nine out of 10 women in the space judge you harshly, they know that it's got nothing to do with you. It's other people's own insecurities mm. about themselves that's being projected onto you. Have the courage to walk away from spaces and groups of people that, that, that don't serve you and they can't align with your playing big plan mm. and and connect again i keep saying this but connect to your tribe where you will get that that support because we are out there <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. i think those are fantastic tips um for for anybody at any stage of their career to be able to use those to be able to you know kickstart those conversations and i think what's also important is that when you are busy you know mapping up the mapping out these action plans for your career it's important to also support that with you know a very clear idea or detail around how do you showcase that you have acquired these skills um because it's one thing to say you know i've been on this you know professional communication course i have done you know all of these different things i've been on all of these different courses but how have you implemented those learnings within the context of the workplace um so it must always come back to you being able to showcase and to prove that you're able to you know fulfill your functions with all of these additional skills that you've learned along the way yeah yeah i i always say to women like pretend you are constantly updating your portfolio of evidence yeah 
with your day-to-day work that you do? Like, what is the what is the thing I'm going to see? What is the return on investment? What is the tangible result? So when I'm working with grads, I literally say, keep a list. I took the social media page from so much engagement to so much engagement. Mm. I got our circulation from this to that. I sold these products, you know, from that to that. Keep those tangible things because yeah. nobody can argue with you when you've got that to show. Um, and and again, that's so. As you're posting, write down those 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 goals and 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 talk about it in the business language. Mm. You know, we must become comfortable with that because again, we must be able to beat this this the system and call it back with his with its own stuff that keeps us stuck and mm. and small. So get to know the language and use it as part of your own. Because again, once you show that, there's you know nobody can nobody can dispute that and tell you no, but that's that's not accurate. Those are your results. Mm, absolutely. I mean, we could go on with these conversations forever, Hello. but <laughs> we don't have forever. <laughs> so, um, wow, yeah, I'm always just so fired up when we have these conversations because there's so many things about the way things are that are frustrating heartbreaking but there's also so many glimmers of hope about what's possible and the potential that exists that we still need to truly you know explore um as black professionals and particularly as black women in the workplace um so i i I guess I always walk away from these conversations feeling a lot more hopeful than I am despondent, which is a good thing. So Celeste, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Um, For people who want to connect with you um, online, where can they find you? So I've got a Facebook page. They can look at my, my they can look up my business name, Bold Curiosity. They can also find me on Instagram, Celeste you with all Bold Curiosity, my business page. Twitter, I think I'm boldly Celeste. So talk about the promotion, self-promotion, here we go. <laughs> right there, in my name, boom. So boldly Celeste. And then um, website is being cooked as we speak, which is also very exciting. And then, yeah, so that if they search either my name or my business name, they'll be able to find me on the socials. Okay, fantastic. Um, That brings us to the end of this episode. So thank you so much for joining us for another um, edition of The Workplace Revolution with Sihle Bolani. I will see you again next time. Mm -hmm.